An Ordinary Nightmare, a short story by Steve Higgins. There was nothing at first. Everything was white, and slowly the white began to recede. There was a thick fog thinning out, and after a while things came to focus. A small plateau before a large rocky outcrop. Soldiers shouting and marching, and I was marching with them and dressed in military uniform. From somewhere came the order to halt, and I turned to the twelve or so men with me and told them to stand at ease. They did so smartly. All were wearing standard-issue soldiers' uniforms. They each displayed a black beret with an insignia that I couldn't quite make out. The general, at least I thought he was a general, made his way on towards the back of the small grassy area and called, Bring out the prisoner. The command was repeated down the line a few times, and then two military policemen appeared with their prisoner. He too was in soldier's uniform, but around his head there was some black material, roughly tied. It seemed shorter too than the others, smaller. The two policemen fixed the prisoner to a stake, his hands tied behind his back. A gust of wind blew over us, and more fog seemed to blow in, then once again began to thin. Mr Woodfall, called the general, looking at me. I snapped a smart salute. Sir, I said in my best military fashion. I wasn't a soldier, I had never been one, but I've seen war films and knew how soldiers were supposed to act. Carry on, Mr Woodfall. I turned to the sergeant next to me. I wasn't sure what to do, perhaps he knew. Permission to carry on, sir, he asked. Carry on, sergeant. Firing squad, forward. Present arms. The twelve men moved forward. All were armed with rifles. I moved forward towards the prisoner. He was even smaller than I had thought. I undid the mask tied over his head. I found myself looking at a boy. He was about ten or twelve with an untidy mop of curly hair. The prisoner has been sentenced to death by firing squad. Has the prisoner anything to say? asked the general. Have you anything to say? I asked the boy. He whispered something. Something that I couldn't quite pick up and so I moved in closer. He said quietly and calmly. Child killer. What? I asked. Child killer, whispered the boy. I turned to the general. Sir, he's only a child. Perhaps there's a mistake. There's no mistake would fall. Carry out the sentence. Sir, carry out the sentence. I stumbled backwards away from the boy. I wanted to help him. It must have been a mistake, but the firing squad stepped forward. Ready to carry out the sentence, sir, said the sergeant. Carry out the sentence, barked the general. I seemed to be frozen to the spot. I wanted to save the boy. I did. I really did, but I couldn't move. Ready, aim, called the sergeant. Fire. The crack of the gunshots echoed across the small area and the boy slumped back on the stake. His dead body hung there limply, but I could still hear his voice. Child killer, he seemed to be saying. Then the fog seemed to roll back in and a curious noise began. It was an electronic noise, a beep, beep, beep noise. I reached out and killed the alarm. Were you mumbling in your sleep? What, I said. Were you having a dream? You were mumbling. Sorry, I said. Don't say any more. I'm going back to sleep. I'm off work today. Helen pulled the covers up over her head. Off today? What are you going to get up to? Nothing, she said. Absolutely nothing. And don't talk. I'm asleep. I slipped back into the bathroom for a shower and a shave. Then went into the spare room where my uniform was already. I dressed and then looked back into the bedroom. But Helen was already asleep. Just like thousands of other normal people. 5am is not a good time to be waking up. It was cold, but not freezing, and my car started easily, as soon I was off down the dark, silent streets, heading for work. The security barrier lifted up with a swipe of my card, and soon I was in the station kitchen, making another broom. I took it along to my locker, and pulled on my high-vis jacket, my baton and cuffs, 
and all the other bits and pieces police officers need these days. I nodded to various officers as I passed them and went on into the briefing room. I thought Mike was back in today, I said to Pete. Nah, I think it's next week, he answered. The duty sergeant came in. It was Pearson, a good officer. He went up to the podium and called for quiet. Right, settle down, here we go, he said. First things first, Prime Minister's lightning visit, due in at Manchester Airport at 10am. Traffic will escort him down to Christie Hospital, where they'll be giving a speech at 12, followed by a lunch at the Town Hall with various dignitaries. He has his own protection team from the Met, so please don't upset them. We've dealt with the Met before, we know what they're like. They are on a dedicated channel 28. Anything you want to pass, change to 28. Don't forget to tell a dispatcher you're changing and let them know when you return to the main channel. Operation Windermere is still in operation in the city centre, targeting pickpockets. If asked to assist, they are on dedicated channel 25. Mike Davis is still off sick after sustaining injuries during the pursuit. He should be back with us soon, but Officer Woodfall will be our armed response officer today. If we need backup armed officers, he will make the call, unless otherwise engaged on something else. Woody will be call sign... Uh, Woody, what's your call sign? Alfa Romeo 24, I said. Alfa Romeo 24, repeated Pearson. Any questions? Some officers asked a few things. Officers scribbled details down in notebooks. I drank the last of my tea. Briefing over, I went to check my weapon. Glock 17. I checked over my car, signed on with dispatch. Mike shouted over as I was leaving. Bacon barn, tennis, he called. Last one there gets him in, I replied and drove off. The morning passed quickly. There were the usual bumps in the rush hour. I was asked to help out on the motorway and did a rolling block so that one of our tango patrols could scoop up the debris. A suspected drug dealer was arrested in the town centre. I was on my way to assist but then was stood down. Sadly, that made me relate to the breakfast bar and had to buy a mic, a bacon balm. Later, I was called to an incident in a small shop where a drunken idiot had tried to steal booze. Had him arrested and locked up in record time. While I was in the station, I booked some time in the shooting range for next week and caught with some other paperwork. While I was in the station, I booked some time in the shooting range for next week and caught up with some other paperwork. I'd only just left the station when another call came in. It was a report of a youth with a firearm in the ship canal area. There was a disused warehouse down by the docks and one of the security men had called it in. I shot down there on blue lights and the security guard was waiting for me. It was a young guy, he told me. He guessed about 16 or 17. There was a group of youths he sometimes had trouble with but this time when he approached, one of them fired a shot. What sort of gun, I asked. A small gun. A handgun. Made a hell of a loud bang. Other units were on the way, so I told him to stay where he was. I drew my Glock 17, made my way inside. It was an old industrial building. I might have been a factory in a former life. It was cold, despite it being warm outside. Water dripped down from the ceiling, and rusty pipes hung dangerously. Armed police officer, I called. Drop your weapons and come forward. My foot skidded on a slippery surface tire, but I kept my balance. I held my gun forward in the classic two-handed stance. Something moved in the next room, and I moved through into the next chamber. There was nothing there, but a door was swinging slightly over in the corner. I pushed the door open with my foot and went through. In the middle of the room was a youth wearing jeans and a hoodie. Armed police, I called again. Drop your weapon. The youth turned. He was younger than I had first thought. Fresh-faced and curly-haired. He was the boy from the dream. Drop your weapon, I called again. I shouted the words angrily, forcefully. Put it down. Put down your weapon. Christ, I thought, how old was he? He was much younger than 16. He was holding a small gun that looked like a World War II German Luger. Was it a real gun? 
I'll call for him again to drop the weapon, but he just stood there foolishly. I was looking right into his eyes when he fired, and the shot hit me directly in the chest. I was flung back onto the wet and greasy concrete floor. I couldn't seem to move my arm, and I could feel the blood pumping out from the bullet wound. Then I heard the boy's voice saying, Child killer, child killer. But he didn't even seem to be opening his mouth, and the words seemed as if they were coming from someone else. Then it came to me. The voice in the dream had been a warning. The child was a killer. I still couldn't move. Blood came into my mouth. Then darkness came. That was An Ordinary Nightmare, a short story by me, Steve Higgins. Find out more, visit stevehigginslive.com.